You're listening to the Detroit is Different Podcast Network. All right. It is Friday, March 30th, 2018. Spring is underway, but it's still Michigan weather. And I'm here uh, in the Detroit is Different Podcast Studios with one of the people that I sparked this whole podcast thing with. Uh, I have a lot of recordings with this man. He's one of the best people that I believe I can think off of on my feet and just be real. Explore what's happening in life. Explore what's happening in culture. Explore what's to happen in the future. Eric Campbell, the writer, the guitarist, <laughs> the... Used to be. Well, he's saying he's retired right now. The, the heck of a bartender. <laughs> the... Uh, the the that's too many hats. Father, that's already too many hats. Son, <laughs> and my homie Eric Campbell. What's going on, man? Kyrie, it's good to be here, man. Mm-hmm. It's great to be here. And I forgot we used to have those conversations downstairs, man. That was yeah, that was that was great. Just talking about stuff and getting yeah. it on tape and pontificating. Mm-hmm. You you took a lot of it. It was the start of uh, what became my Detroit. If Detroit were having an album. Um, and you've done some work with it as well. Yeah. And we can kind of start with these conversations here. I'm going to go through the traditional route of the Detroit is Different interview. You do that. Your family in Detroit. What's the ties? Uh, what led your family to come to Detroit? Well, we've been here. You know, I'm born and raised. but I, Well, I'm raised. I shouldn't say I was born. I was born in Buffalo, New York. Mm. And my, my family's mostly East Coast. My parents were both born in New York City, mm-hmm. uh, Bronx, Jamaica, Queens. And my, I believe it was my father's job uh, opportunities that led him to Buffalo and then, then to Detroit. So we, we arrived in Detroit in 1973, summer of 1973. Okay. Far northwest corner, like eight-mile eight Lasser areas where I came up, and um, that's where it all started. Okay, and like I always say, you were around Northland Skating Rink. I, I was right there, right down the block. Northland Skating Rink, Northland Mall. Northland, Northland, everything. Northland, everything. It was, like, <laughs> right. it was all north. I'm gonna have a good brother Herman Davis come in here and talk all about Northland skating rink very soon. Yep, they're um, still going, still going. But uh, but let let's talk about that community. What do you remember moving from Buffalo over this way? Yeah. Uh, it, do you remember anything about Buffalo? Uh, I don't remember much about Buffalo. Because you were so young. I, yeah, I remember we, we had, there was train tracks. There were elevated train tracks at the end of our block. That's the one thing when I think back to Buffalo. That's the one like memory that I have outside of the house. You don't remember O.J. Simpson? I don't <laughs> Oh, just Oh, Reggie McKenzie. I remember I, ha- I had a uh, – Reggie McKenzie was a guy who famously blocked for, you know, the guards for Buffalo Bills for O.J. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I remember I had uh, – we had friends in Buffalo that knew Reggie McKenzie, and I had this autograph photo, photo – uh, Reggie McKenzie, I remember. It's wow. black and white, old school autograph from Reggie McKenzie. Buffalo 360, Bills. the guy from Detroit. Well, really, Highland Park. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Right in this neighborhood, actually. Reggie McKenzie Field is blocks away from here. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it all ties together. I all know. ties together. So, yeah, we moved to Detroit. and um, didn't yeah, my, get to meet the juice, though. Didn't get to, <laughs> we weren't that high up on the didn't, ladder. Didn't get, didn't didn't get to the, the juice. Didn't have a, didn't have a picture of the juice. <laughs> nah, man, nah. Reggie McKenzie was enough in those days. I got you. But, um... Yeah, man, we moved to Detroit and uh, Aiton Lasser and the neighborhood. You know, it was it was it was fantastic, man. I remember it was all about outside Nerf football on the street. Mm-hmm. Um, a big part of my up, upbringing was um, there was a church called Saint Eugene's, right on Berg Road, which is a couple blocks from our house, and they had a very very uh, 
well put together, you know, softball, youth softball, youth uh, baseball league. My father coached baseball and softball because he came, he played b- baseball back in uh, on the East Coast. So, you know, he, we had that like stability in the sense that my father was working, but he was also you know out there coaching for us and you know getting the kids together. It was all about the kids in the street and running around and being you know being together. Okay, like seventies baseball because right now in the opening day uh, praise is happening right That's now. That's right. Uh, black kids really aren't into baseball in this era, but back in the day, like your dad was uh, coaching black kids playing baseball. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. It was. Our, our neighborhood was definitely diverse, but it was majority black. You know, as, mm-hmm. as the rest of the city was and is. And um, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about because I'm, I'm in Southwest now, uh-huh. and you know, Western High School is mostly like the baseball team there. They've got like you know the premier baseball team, the DPS mm. right now and have for several years. It's, it's mostly Latino mm-hmm. um, with some black and white mixed in. Um, so that's part of that culture and that area down there. Mm. Uh, but I, I think that's changed in the, in, in the city as uh, a lot of sports has changed according to how DPS, you know, the school system, mm. you know, the sports kind of goes as the school system goes. So, you know, you know how it was back in the seventies and eighties and when, when uh, DPS was strong and, High schools were strong, with sports teams were strong, and that that all kind of works together. So uh, that spills over into you know youth youth organizations in the neighborhoods. You know St. Eugene's West Seven was really big back in the day. Um, so we had a lot of uh, a lot of areas, a lot of organizations in which mm-hmm. to you know be extracurricular uh, with the sports and you know non sports okay. as well. All right. So um, what are some of the things you other than the sports, like what are some landmarks, some uh, people, some places, some things that stand out in your young mind mm. of that community? Mm-hmm. Well, Northland Skating Rink is one. You mentioned that. Um, Rouge, uh, the golf course, Rouge Golf Course over there, which has been uh, a Rogel Golf Course. I'm sorry. There's Rouge Park. It's <laughs> further west. But mm-hmm. uh, Rogel golf, golf Course is right there on uh, Seven and uh, Seven and Berg. And I remember you would go down that you when when Berg crossed over Seven Mile going south, you go down that big hill and there'd be houses and you'd be right by the by the golf course and we would. Uh, Wasn't it like an amusement park over there? Yeah. Um, what was it called? Uh, oh man, I can't think of it now. Not. I mean, it, it was, was amu- like more like a carnival. There was no, but it was it was straight up. Well, it was yeah, it was it wasn't quite an amusement park, but it mm-hmm. was. I mean, there was a, like a roller coaster. And yeah, yeah, it was like a, it was like a small amusement park. It was right on seven and uh, yeah, right on seven and Berg. And I can't I can't remember the name of it now, but it was that was kind of it was kind of on its way out when I was coming up, but it it existed. We went mm-hmm. you know we went a couple of times when I was a kid, and um, yeah, that's that's a crazy memory actually. I hadn't thought about that amusement park in a while. It's mm-hmm. One of those things you just can't imagine. You know, being in the city and having just a straight up amusement park. Yeah, you can walk down right the street in the and get on a roller coaster. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <laughs> Can't do that now. No, <laughs> not but, at all. Not yeah, at all. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a new type of drug that's it going is. on in the house. <laughs> it is. <laughs> if you get invited to a roller coaster, <laughs> in 2018 in Detroit. Yeah, <laughs> city limits. But we had uh, the YMCA over on Seven and Lasser as well, or Seven and. Uh, the burger loss, I think seven and loss are those YMCA where that we would go to and mm-hmm. swim and uh Yeah, I learned you know. I learned how to swim because in the Taki Taliba we went there to that Y. Yep, that's right there, right on the corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, man, that was that was where we were at from uh seventy three to we sold the house, my mother sold the house I think in ninety. 
Okay. So, so over that change, what did you see transition like in the neighborhood as far as the neighbors, uh, any of the attitudes, any of the culture, anything changed from 73 over to 90 that you remember? Um, man, I'm trying to think. I mean, it got the, the neighborhood as far, I mean, relatively speaking, was 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 stable in the sense that, you know, we never felt like we couldn't go out and run around and, mm-hmm. and do our thing. Um I've been back over there, you know. I've, you know, I got two little ones now. We've driven back through there a couple of times just to be like, hey, you know, we, I came up here. This is what was going on, and this uh-huh. is where I came up. And um, you know, the neighborhood it looks great. I, mean, I got to go by the look. I haven't really hung out much over there because we've been in Southwest for the past few years, a very different part of town geographically. Um, but it, it looks like it's held up fairly well. I mean, if you look at like Redfern, and actually, I had a good, a good friend actually who lived on, who moved in adulthood. He came up over by Mumford, and he actually moved to the block over from where we were at on Redfern, and he brought his kids up over there, and um, yeah, it's, it's 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 still cool over there, definitely. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the transition from like junior high. Where did you end up going to high school? I went to Renaissance. Okay, Renaissance. Yeah, Renaissance. Phoenix. What, what was what was that like? In was this in the eighties, nineties? What was this? Mid eighties. Mid 80s? Yeah. Okay. When did Renaissance open? Renaissance opened in 79. Okay. So you were like a uh, 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 part of the start of the classes at Renaissance. One of the first. Yeah. I, 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 my first year was 82, 83. Mm-hmm. Um, back in the little building where Flix is now, down the mm-hmm. street from the current Renaissance. Yeah. It's a whole different, whole different, whole different ballgame from the new, the new school. The new school uh, is much larger. The student body is much larger. And, mm-hmm. uh, the sports uh, program is much more um, significant now than it was when I was there. You know, when I was there, it was, you know, it was 700 kids and it was a very small building, but it it was a great environment at that time because it was still fairly new. And, um, you know, I think that going to a school with a smaller student body like that creates that kind of atmosphere of like, you know, closeness between students. Uh, We definitely had that. What was the call to action that like led your parents to say, you want to go to Renaissance, and then what? What did you think about the school? Because it it kind of coming up on the scene was in this idea of like school of choice. Like, mm-hmm. what was the what was the spin? What was the sales? What was the marketing uh, throughout the neighborhood on what Renaissance is and yeah. what it will be? That's a really that, that's actually a really good question. That 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 would actually be a, this would be a great opportunity now to look back on that because it was. You know, it was in a sense a school of choice, um, and it, it operated. I mean, it was part of VPS, obviously, but you know, it it, it had its own little niche. You know, mm-hmm. so the choices that we had to make, you know, I didn't have a choice to really go to. Uh, my choice was certainly limited to DPS, but mm-hmm. I did have. I was uh, blessed enough to have the opportunity to go to you know Casa Renaissance, and I remember going to. The one thing I remember about that decision process was going to Cass Tech's open house mm-hmm. and just being like overwhelmed by, mm-hmm. you know, the size, the, the, the scope of everything. And, you know, just the, just the size of the building. And I remember even the room that, that the open house was in was just like, it was just massive. And there were just, you know, I think a lot of the decision I made and we made to go to Renaissance was based on just being able to wrap your head around the size of the building. Cause, I, cause, cause the, my junior high, my, my elementary school were, uh, smaller, um, newer programs as well. So, mm-hmm. I think that I think Renaissance just felt like you know the net more natural continuation 
um, whereas Cass just seemed like it was just too much to take on, just size-wise. Uh, are you still close with any of your friends from Renaissance? Is I, I definitely believe that going to certain schools, especially in the high school era, you can grow different bonds that can be lasting for years to come. In a school like Renaissance, it's not like you're going to be generally next to Joe Schmo. It's yeah. almost an yeah. Ivy League of Detroit high schools. Well, I remember. I, I, well, the short answer is I, I'm not really close to too many. I mean, I got a couple of friends that I, you know, I'm in contact with. And, you know, there's there's folks that I run into now and then, and you know, I'm not the, I'm, you know, I'm not that Facebook guy either. Mm-hmm. So once you're off Facebook, you kind of have removed yourself from any sort of like organization mm-hmm. that happens late in later years around uh, high school. Um, but I think that well, there's two there's two things w- that work towards that. One is like I mentioned earlier, it's a smaller school, so maybe there was a certain closeness that develops within the student body at that time. But it's also a magnet school, so you don't have that like neighborhood connection as much as you might if you, you know if you're mm-hmm. in a neighborhood school, which is one thing that we're really missing, you know, across the nation, especially in Detroit. You know, having that neighborhood school atmosphere, which is really what school is all about. You know, school is supposed to be a center for community. Mm-hmm. and um, community empowerment and just a place to organize and gather. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we kind of missed out on that. So I don't know if it has to do with the fact that, you know, um, I'm not in close contact with a lot of my uh, schoolmates from high school. Um, yeah, but I mean, I, I see some folks from time to time and touch base with folks, you know, here and there, but no one, you know, I'm not really hanging with anyone from high school. Okay. All right. After Renaissance, what was the journey? Um, man, it gets weird. It gets now it gets weird. So I went, I went up to Ann Arbor. Um, I went to U of M right out of high school, and it's a looking back, it was a weird choice. But I, I you know, I did it because you know I had I had family. Uh, I had an uncle who taught at U of M when we were young, young. And what we were, um, what did your uncle teach, and what was your major when you went? Uh, my uncle taught, he was a law professor. He was gone by the time I went to college. But when, oh, we, okay. when we were kids, kids, we would go up to Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And so I always had like this thing this about. This idea of what U of M was. Exactly. the perspective of a child mm-hmm. visiting your uncle. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So when I got in, there was, there was really not too much decision making to be done. I was, I was, pretty, uh, I was pretty set on going to Ann Arbor um, from the get. Um, I had some other friends who were going down to, um, well, you know, I, I had this, I had this other community of friends across the city from playing tennis as well. So I, I was big into tennis. My, 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 me and my brother were big into tennis as well. So uh, I got a shout to, I got a shout out to Metropolitan Racket Club, which is which I've been taking my kids to at Six Mile and the Lodge, which is a crazy story in itself. But there was a lot of kids that, you know, Mumford was a really fantastic tennis team back in the day. I don't know if a lot of people know that it was they were sending brothers to get tennis scholarships left and right. Mm-hmm. So a couple of my buddies went down south to play tennis, and I ended up going to U of M. You know, and as as, as quite a few of my class, you know, ended up in the Ann Arbor, um, and I went up to study. In my mind, I, my my intention was to study architecture, but I uh, I was <laughs> I stayed on that track for a little while, and then got and that's when actually that's when I started getting involved in some music stuff, and I was up there for two years, two and a half years, did never never finished, mm-hmm. and that you know that but that that was kind of the uh, bridge to the next chapter, okay, which involved the music. Okay, so music and getting involved with music and playing. Mm-hmm. What instrument? I, I know this, but for the people that don't know this, uh, what what did you touch into? 
uh, you were on a college campus. I assume it's a lot of bands and yeah. a lot of activities. Yeah. And that was, you know, that was during the height of the electronic music mm-hmm. uh, thing in Detroit as well. So we're now we're now we're around like 90, 91. Mm-hmm. And um, I played a little piano as a kid. My father played a little bit of jazz and, and classical piano, and he got me and my brother both playing piano. And I, I stuck with it a little longer than my brother did. But um, by the time I was in college, I w- w- really wasn't playing much. But I had, you know, I had some fundamentals down as far as piano goes. Mm-hmm. And I got, uh, God, this is crazy. I don't know. This is, I don't know. We're going to be doing this personal journey. This is crazy, man. Yeah. This is. <laughs> I haven't talked about this part of the part of the uh, part of the upbringing in a while, but. Um, it was definitely at that point, you know, I, I met a couple of folks up in Ann Arbor at the Nectarine Ballroom, which was doing a, a, a pretty uh, serious um, electronic music set. You know, I couldn't I couldn't cite what night of the week it was, but, you know, Nectarine was bumping in Ann Arbor at that time. And um, this kid who I went to high school with, his brother was into uh, electronic music. He was very, very uh, immersed in electronic music scene here in Detroit. And that's I think that's really how... I started to get back into music. We started working on some so stuff. So it was more so like you came in as just enjoying the vibe in the field. Mm-hmm. From the vibe in the field, it's like I want to do some of this. Yeah. And then you look up and you're a musician. Well, I mean, <laughs> in my mind, I'm a musician. I mean, yeah, that's that's basically how it was. I mean, I just got I just got take I just got swept away by the electronic music scene, man. Because at that point, and that's that's what kind of led. I don't, I don't want to say that's what led me to leave school. There were a lot of different you know things mm-hmm. going on, but I left. I ended up leaving school and coming back and living downtown. That was my first real downtown Detroit experience. Okay. You know, and it, what what year? So like I said, what, at that point it's probably ninety ninety one. Okay, ninety one. Yeah. Let's say like ninety two. Yeah. That's a different era. That's like Coleman Young still in office. Mm-hmm. What was downtown Detroit like then? You know, it's fun. it's beautiful, man. I mean, someone needs to write about it because especially now that we're going through this whole uh, so-called renaissance um, and people are moving in and all these spaces are being taken up and all this, you know, all these things are happening downtown. Uh, downtown in 90, in the early 90s was, to me, you know, obviously it's when I was coming up, so I got that memory. To me, it was much more interesting, even though there was much more space and maybe it was because there was more space you know, you'd go downtown, and um, there was <laughs> there was as much to do, but it was much more powerful the things that were happening. You know, like you have things like the like the Music Institute, which was an- another center, um, another focus of the uh, electronic music scene at that okay, time. Okay, Music Institute, explain. I'm not familiar. The music Institute was, man, I don't know if I'm the, I'm I'm the guy to really. Go all the way in. Well, I, mean, I can go so in. You, I, I, I can go in a little bit. I mean, it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you talk about the days when you know Kevin Saunderson and Derek May and, and you know Juan Atkins were still you know spinning downtown Detroit, and they were you know Music Institute was one of those places where, you know, it was really hardcore. The music was hardcore. It was late night. It was all about just the, just the music. It was very. It was a very sparse, mm-hmm. you know, atmosphere. What about the? Uh, you didn't really the, go to like the, the. You were a part of this mix like as a patron attendant what was the feel and the culture like for the people that were there and where was it where was this located the music institute was on oh man i was just thinking about i just i just saw a documentary that cited the music institute the other day and i was trying to think of where it was exactly it was on um i couldn't even tell you i want to say it was grand river near where um 
TV lounge is, but further further in the downtown though. But I can't think of okay, exactly. Okay, so it's the, like along that track. So near yeah. uh, what's that? What's that? What's that restaurant like? The Republic or? Uh, yeah, it wasn't wasn't that building? Actually, we were just by there today. There's there's two restaurants in there now: Republic and uh, Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like but it in was, that mix mm-hmm. near near like the Gaslight Lounge and uh, Times Square. Yeah, around yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before yeah. it was the Rosa Parks. Uh, because I'm trying center. to think about what what was happening before that transit center popped up. Over yeah, there. it would be. I mean, it would be it would be lovely to, you know, that's one of the things I'm thinking about now that I'm writing again is like trying to figure out. How, I mean, people are doing it now. There's a lot mm-hmm. of people going back to that time and trying to like you know, describe it and uh, place it in Detroit history because it really was an interesting time. And, and in the field, was it out. was it primarily like young people? Was it older people? It was, was it just artists? What what was the field? It was definitely it was definitely artists and and young, younger folks really. That time. Mm-hmm. I mean I mean it was it, it was diverse, but it was I mean if you had to like generalize, it was definitely younger folks, and it was definitely people who were, you know, hardcore uh, lovers of that music. Cause it was it was, hmm. it was very new at that time. And you know what's so funny about that? Uh, D, love you, D. Uh, Derek, that's my man. Yeah, yeah. Derek is so <laughs> Derek is Derek Derek May is definitely on the on the Detroiter list that you need to meet as a Detroiter. But um mm-hmm. Derek even told me one time, he was like, Man, you know, you know Derek. He's so Derek is so funny. He was like, Look, man, look, you, you gotta you gotta do what you love, man. And then the people will connect to it, you know? Yeah. Because uh, he was even talking about the culture of the people that like the music mm-hmm. and that the, the audience and the culture and the experience that they created kept opening up new doors for him. Yeah. So it's like you end up playing some music for some, you know, he's like, man, you, you know, you wake up one day and you're playing some music for some white kids that are in the corner getting high. And then 10 years later, 15 years later, that guy is... Uh, uh, the executive running the marketing <laughs> facade, right, and, and right. then that guy opens up a door, and and they carry the music, yeah. Especially that it was like something about that techno music and the electronic scene, where they felt like they were a part of like a a, a, a cult mm-hmm. or something like mm-hmm. a like, like it wasn't like going to see, I don't know. At the same time, it wasn't like going to see right said Fred. You know I mean, it was, re- it was it was something you can definitely say was new, you know, at that time. And that's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's hard to look back in retrospect and kind of analyze it. But I mean, the one thing you can say is that it was a new phenomenon. The music was new. The scene was new. The culture was new. And um, a lot of that, you know, it, you know, it was happening in different places. It, you, you have to include Chicago in that. In mm-hmm. that conversation, but I mean, Detroit was definitely a part of that as well. So it was, and, it was crazy. And then that feel, like, was it? Because uh, I definitely have my own taste of what music is and what the industry is. But was the feel like um, headliner centric? Was it you know so much based on like we can't wait to see this person or what? What was the what it, was the tone? It was more like you know it was more like, it was more like basement party. It was like I'm going to I'm going to this party, and it's not about you know. There might not even be a bar there, you know. It just might be. It's mm. really about just feeling this music. That's something that music, you haven't heard before. The dance yeah, and, yeah. And it's it's, it's it's like a. Uh, it's, 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 it, in a sense, it's like what it is now. When you, when you see these big parties happening all over, and it's, and you, you now you see parties where there's thousands of people there. But take that and like you know, it's 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 a smaller vibe, but it's more it's more of intense. It's more intense because it's not even about the people, you know, because it's not it's not. It's not that it's not that big on the list yet, you know. what I'm saying it's like, um, 
it's just it was just more pure you know i mean i, I don't i don't want to overstate it you know but it was just it was just this thing where like i'm going out here to hear this music and there might mm-hmm. be you know i mean the, the music institute not to over you know overdo that spot but there were nights when there were you know 200 people there but there were nights when there were 20 people there but it was just intense because you know you were just having this like experience you were just having huh. this like kind of like mind experience with the music and huh. you know i mean it's 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 not any different than like you know people have that experience with any type of music but and i don't, I don't even want to try to but like that was the music for at that for moment you. at that moment in your was, moment at that, in moment. that moment in your life yeah so that matching up like like what was the downtown feel like as far as the the look, the architecture, because I sort of remember, but it's from a child or a younger person. Yeah, I'm like teen or whatever. Yeah, I just remember the. I just know. remember being just open. Just I just remember be, feeling like you know, because the there the wasn't there wasn't nearly the amount of traffic, um, mm-hmm. especially at night, whatever night of, of the week it was, and you, there was just just like freedom to go like and explore, mm-hmm. um, whereas. I mean, to, to try to compare it to now, you know, you now you're kind of like, you know, you're kind of like uh, uh, kind of boxed in by, you know, whether mm-hmm. it's new businesses or more people, more traffic, you know, or, or a larger police presence. I mean, it's it was just more free, you know. So you were one of those people that never said to yourself, like, man, it'd be great if Detroit could get some of New York, because that was always, I think, one of the discussion points, you know, back Back then, it was like, man, this downtown sucks. It should oh. be like New York. No, not. I'm glad you put it like that because I don't. I don't. No, I don't think there was. It never felt like we were missing out. You know, like it never felt like, you know, the places, the people I was running with, the the, the places we were going. We never that discussion never came up. It was never like, oh, I wish we, I wish we had what you know New York had, Chicago had. It was, it was, it was cool. Mm-hmm. It was cool. Like Trapper's Alley, I remember that. Yeah, Trapper's Alley was big. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, that. there were there were spots to go. I mean, some of the same spots you see now, but I mean, certainly, you know, the casinos weren't weren't a presence yet. You know, which which, which changed a lot as far as the landscape downtown, mm-hmm. and as far as people coming down here. So I mean, try to imagine it without you know any of the casinos even, even mm-hmm. if you just take that out, that changes a the, lot. The as far feel as, of it. Mm-hmm. So with you along this time in the '90s, is now uh, I'm I'm jumping jumping it and let's uh, jump time's rolling writing in in social awareness as we met originally at the michigan citizen newspaper where you've uh written a lot of great stories uh and and an in-depth take with a lot of empathy and then i feel like your your pen you always have like a very curious tone as far as like you're open to what it is or whomever you're talking to mm-hmm. when you're writing something. Yeah. So fr- from music to a social awareness and wanting to share that or just learn more about it yourself, where did where did that happen or was it happen simultaneously? Yeah. Well, you know, I think I've always been kind of an armchair activist. You know, I've mm-hmm. always kind of read about, you know, what's going on in like the Middle East, um, more lo- paying more attention to, you know, maybe some international uh uh, aspects, uh, American foreign policy and things like that. But the Michigan citizen was really the first time that I got to get my hands dirty and, and at the same time, appreciate the power that happens in the community at a local level. That's okay. real. That's, that's, where, that's where, where real change happens. So how did you even end up getting the position in writing with the Michigan citizen? What yeah. was it? How did, <laughs> how did you meet Catherine or right. Mrs. T or how did that happen? All right. So I, I have to admit, I mean, 
straight away before we get into that. I'm, you know, I, I so I spent a long time in the restaurant industry, restaurant bar industry, waiting tables, bartending, um, and so I'm a late bloomer as far as this work that we're doing, this movement work we're doing now. Like I said, I was really an armchair activist up until you know the early 2000s when I got involved with the Michigan Citizen, uh, 2005, or maybe actually it was even 2006, actually, when I really ended up going to the Michigan Citizen office. I actually met, um, well, be pr- prior to that, just prior to that, I picked up a Michigan Citizen. I was aware of Michigan Citizen newspaper, but for some reason this one time I picked it up and really, and really got into it, and it just, it just had this you know drastic effect on me. And I actually sent an email to them, and I was like, look, you know, this is who I am. I don't have a lot of formal writing experience, but I've written a little bit here and there in, in these different, you know, environments and different mm-hmm. ways. This newspaper is has become very important to me in a very short amount of time. What can I do to help out? I'll come down there and make coffee if that helps. I mean, I, wow. the, the letter was really like, I, and I was I was serious. You realize you realize the 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 leap of faith and the probability of that email generally. Even, being even, effective. <laughs> <laughs> Normally, that would not work. Yeah, um, but I was sincere. I mean, it, and it was. It was. I remember it being a fairly lengthy email, and I poured it out, and they remembered me, um, and they actually came and visited where I was working at the time. I was behind the bar, and my man Cottrell. You know Cottrell. Yeah, man. What's up with Cottrell, man? Everyone wants to know. That's that's that should that should be a, that should be a, a newsletter. What's up with Cottrell? Yeah, Where's man, he I at? See, last time I saw him, it was like at Park Bar a couple. He's uh, a couple years back. He's still doing it, man. He's at. Uh, he's either at Writing Company or he is at. Uh, what's the one where you enter through the alley? Um, I'm, I'm forgetting that name too. I haven't been there very much, but he's uh, he's at Writing Company. He's working for those guys. Okay. And um, you know he's he's the most amazing cool. bartender in the city, man. Go go cool. Go check out Cottrell. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try that. If I think of the name of the bar, I can't think of the name of the bar right now. But he was there, and he was like, "Hey, oh sorry." He was like, "Hey, um, I'm serving uh, Catherine Kelly and Terry Kelly from the Michigan Citizen, and you know I hadn't met them yet, and so I went over. I was like, "Hey, my name's Eric. I wrote you, and I just I just written him this email like a couple mm-hmm. days before, and they're like, "Yeah, we saw that. You want to come down to a." They just invited me down to an editorial meeting, so uh, I just started attending editorial meetings, and um, that was it. I mean, it was it was it was hmm. they just they just welcomed me in, and uh, I walked in almost um, at the same time as uh, Bankale was walking out. Actually, yeah, very we, close. Yeah, we actually almost literally. Yeah, cross paths. Bankale went from the Citizen to the Michigan. So Chronicle. the Chronicle at the time. Yep. 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 And to this day, it's weird. It's like I, I saw Bankale, and I was like, when um, when he wrote the editorial piece supporting Governor Snyder, mm-hmm. and then I was like, man, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. And like to this day, it's like it's changed our relationship. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But yeah. it's like as a dude, yeah, it's like that's like it, it's it's been some solid stuff that that Bankale has done for me. But just in the world of um, in the world of accountability, it's like, why in the hell would you support Governor Snyder? It's it's hard to it's so yeah. so it, it just you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean his career path. I mean he 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 was always a, a go getter, man. I mean I remember when I went to the Citizen, man. He I, I looked at some papers, some newspapers from the from the prior from the previous year or two, and he would have mm-hmm. like three articles in like every you know every piece he hustles. But you know I I don't know about this path you know 
from the Citizen to the Chronicle, now the news. You know, I, I don't know he's doing his thing, and I, I, he's on a path that I won't be on, but he's doing his thing, man, you know. Yeah, because if you support Governor Snyder, I'll say the same thing to you. Yeah. And hopefully if I ever <laughs> supported Governor Snyder, you would say the same shit to me. I'm not going to be supporting any governors in general. I much feel you, less, but I'm just, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like, yeah, like yeah. I mean, if you my mans. It's got to be said. You got to, you got to, if you really my mans, mm-hmm. tell me some shit that needs to be said. Don't, <laughs> don't smile in my face. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then we could, you know, drink together and then, you know. Yeah. When I walk away, it's like, damn, I can't believe he wrote that article. Yeah, I've never really been, I mean, I, I don't know if that explains how I've jumped around through my life. I'm not really career, not, I don't want to say career, but, you know, like like that. But I'm not a careerist. You are I'm not, definitely like, an artiste. A, I mean, you know. You are definitely an artiste. Well, that's why this, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to segue into Riverwise, but that's why this Riverwise thing works out fantastic because we can, we can, we can take a, a lot of those different components and put them together and, uh, mm-hmm. You know, get this message out about the community, but so, the, but the citizen. Before we get to that, the citizen. I just have to say, you know, mm-hmm. just always, man. I mean, uh, much love to the Kellys, and uh, and I have more citizen questions. Yeah. One of them, starting with, um, for a while, you covered the beat of Detroit City Council, consistently yeah. getting down there uh, often to like the Tuesday meetings, yeah, and so forth and so on. What was that like seeing it up close and f- personal from the perspective of how it's presented? Because I urge everyone, yeah. Uh, if you have the time and uh, the availability, I think you should sit in the back of Frank Murphy Hall of Justice and just watch see what's court up. proceedings mm-hmm. one day. Mm-hmm. And you definitely should sit on a Tuesday to see how a council meeting goes. But as you watch that and you got a temperature for a lot of things, like what context did that give you to to put next to the people? Yeah. Because you were still interacting with a lot of the people that were generally down there uh, with with uh, true grievances, uh, mm-hmm. gripes, and mm-hmm. requests, and demands of uh, the elected officials. Yeah. Well, let me say, first of all, I agree with you 110%. Everyone should go down to a city council meeting and check it out because – no matter how no matter how you feel about city government is run, no matter how you feel about how it should be run, it's just a great perspective on because you're there. I mean, it's 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 not like you know dealing with the mayor's office. City council is a little bit more approachable. It feels like you know whether it is whether whether it is or not you know is debatable, but it feels like it feels democratic. You know, what I'm saying it feels like you know you have some say. You'll get a business card of a chief of staff. You'll get you'll get your two minutes and <laughs> you'll get your sixty seconds at least. Say what? It's not at all already. What? <laughs> Somebody just dropped a bunch of a bunch of old tires in your backyard. But it's get, um, get this person a call. Yeah, I mean you can you know it's even 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 now I was down at city council and I I didn't you know I went down there at the citizen not not as much as I would have liked to. You know, I would go down there on certain issues. Like if we were talking about education, there was a certain, you know, certain thing, certain mm-hmm. legislation, local legislation being discussed. Sometimes I'll go down there and check it out. But it, it was, and, even, and, I, and I went down there recently and I had kind of the same feeling where it's like, you know, if we, if we were going to put our faith back into government on a local level, um, city council would be the place to start. You know, I have this, I have this idea about, you know, the next mayor's, race i want to do a t-shirt that says like you know city council for mayor like let's let's you know it's, mayor's office is inaccessible and it's 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 bought it's you know it's now you know run by you know by big money especially i mean always it's, perhaps it always is but i mean now especially you see like you know how how 
uh, in the case of certainly the Illiches and the Gilberts, you know, how they kind of run things. Um, there's, there's glimpses of, of democracy when you go to city council at least, and I think, you know, uh, it's an interesting experience. It'll, it'll, it'll either, <laughs> it'll, it'll, put you, it'll, it'll push you one or two ways. It'll, it'll either buttress your, your faith in democracy or it'll, it'll, you know, it'll squash it one or the other. But for me, it was, it was, it was always interesting to see the inner workings you kind of get you kind of get a glimpse of the actual workings of government, um, how the discussions work, and um, it gives you just a, you know just a feeling that you're kind of a part of it. Um, but at, but at the same time, you know, then you're like, okay, well, why can't we do this more? Why can't we make it more accessible? Why does it got to be on the 13th floor of this building? You know, at times that people can't get down there. So there's also elements that you that you realize where you know it's purposely made not to be more accessible than it is. So you know, mm-hmm. it's interesting. All right, so in talking about this, uh, the Michigan citizen from the community perspective, mm-hmm. as working with the citizen, especially with some of the powerful writers like Diane Bukowski, um, Teresa Kelly herself, I think Teresa is an excellent writer. Yeah, like, I agree. Almost like to the point where it's like, damn. I agree. Yeah, I keep telling her, it's like, write a book. Right. And it's like, oh, great, nobody wants to. And it's like, <laughs> everybody will read your book. People like, are talking story about it. Is, your, your her personal stories, yeah. But um, Zenobia, Zenobia Jeffries, uh, Bankley's work. It, it's a lot of good writers that have touched down. Quasi, Aquamu, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the the working with the citizen is still a different perspective. Just due to it, its ties to the community and so many people that would just come into the citizen, just working there. Myself, it'd be like. You know, people will come into the citizen yeah. as if this is the only place and space they could have that would support them. Yeah. So what what did that impact on your take on the community uh, in working there as far as what's happening with the people? Because at times working with the citizen, it seemed like, damn, you know, you know, for lack of a better term, shit is getting worse. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, compared to what I'm doing now, it was definitely, um, well, let me say this first. I love, one of the things that stands out about the Michigan Citizen to me now, looking back, is that they had this amazing balance of, we're going to speak truth to power on the Mm -hmm. first couple pages, and then on a couple pages, we're going to show you what the people are doing to resist the people who have been marginalized, you know, in marginalized communities. So Mm -hmm. we're going to give you both. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's one of the things we're trying to get to in Riverwise now, too. It's like, you know. Um, yeah. And let me let me let no, me go clarify ahead. Go that, ahead. too. Yeah, because it, it, it would be certain issues that the citizen would take on and nobody else would take yeah, on. Absolutely. And and then seeing the guts of the truth of this stuff was mm-hmm. like, damn, like the emergency management issue. Yeah. For instance. Yeah. They were the only ones that took that on. And, you know, all all the things that, you know, if you want to look at them as warnings, a lot of the folks that were speaking out about emergency management in the very beginning um, and speaking truth to that whole situation, uh, you know, everything, I mean, really actually worked out worse. I mean, everything that they spoke about, everything they tried to warn us about has come to bear and worse when you look at how, you know, now how uh, um, what's happened in Flint with the water, what's happened in Detroit and other communities with the schools, mm-hmm. um, you know, all of those things were, the, the Michigan citizen was the only place where that discussion was being had or the only place where that uh, those warnings were being put out about, you know, how anti-democratic that the emergency manager 
that emergency management is. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was it was amazing. And and then when we you know when when the Michigan Citizen closed its doors, um, maybe only then. I mean, I hope I, I mean everyone appreciated it. But like anything else, you know, you appreciate it so much more when it's gone. And all of a sudden, the Michigan Citizen closes its doors in 2014, and then you have this huge uh, vacuum in the media landscape. And now it just feels like it's just a one-sided discussion. That's how powerful the Michigan Citizen was. It provided that whole that whole other side, um, and it was you know it, it was a lot of the a lot of the viewpoints, a lot of the perspectives and articles were presented by the people themselves. You know, so it was amazing. And, and let's 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 transition now to Riverwise, yeah, which picks up some of those discussions, but I feel it's still very artistic. And very like um, it's very eclectic. Mm-hmm. Like like the feel of a Riverwise is almost like a. It's like if the Michigan Citizen did the the New York Times magazine on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's a great what analogy. It feels like. That's a great analogy. So we have that. You know, Riverwise has that uh, that DNA from Michigan Citizen in several different ways. So you know, Gray yeah, Shay Shay had a. Shay Howell, of course, had a long-running uh, column mm-hmm. uh, in the Michigan Citizen. Uh, Grace Lee Boggs also did a weekly. Yes. Uh, rest in peace, Grace. Rest in peace. Um, she also did a weekly commentary in the Michigan Citizen. Um, when, so when the Michigan Citizen went away, when they closed its doors in 2014, um, I don't think it was more than a year later, I guess, at the Boggs Center, that discussions were began to be had around you know, do we need something else now to fill that void? You know, there's a lot of content, and I think the discussion took so long because, you know, there's so much content out there now, but the Michigan Citizen was also special because they held on to print. You know, they had a web presence as well, mm. but it was it was, a, it was a physical presence in the community. You know, there were boxes everywhere. I don't think people even to this day realize the circulation that the Michigan Citizen had and the presence physically. Um so the discussion around Riverwise became in the beginning it was like okay we need something else which um, let me say this yeah, yeah, yeah. tens of thousands oh yeah oh absolutely yep. yes to mm-hmm. that to tens mm-hmm. of thousands mm-hmm. um, so that discussion was you know how do we uh, and I came into I should, I should say that I came into the discussion a little bit late um, Shay called me at some point I think it was at the beginning of 2000 16 and was like hey we're having these conversations about maybe doing a publication um not in the vein of michigan citizen and i'll explain in a second how how, how 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 this is different but something that you know is a voice of the community mm-hmm. would be the main you know main connection to the michigan citizen mm-hmm. so uh i don't know if you're familiar with yes magazine but yes magazine is a national publication and Sarah Van Gelder, who is the or was the uh, one of the is one of the founders, was the publisher of Yes Magazine, um, somehow got involved in one of those conversations. And yes, so Yes Magazine, what they do national, what we're doing locally, they do nationally. They're looking at uh, organizations, individuals, groups that are on their on their own. People, these are people that you know w- mm-hmm. we would consider marginalized by you know race, marginalized by class, marginalized by gender identity. Mm-hmm. These are folks that are creating solutions, you know, in their own communities 
to uh, some of these social social injustices, and to see it all in one piece is is very powerful. So, mm. Riverwise, in the beginning, uh, sought to uh, take that model and apply it, you know, on a local on a, on a local level. You know, we're, we were going to focus on Detroit folks because we knew how much working at the Michigan Citizen, working at the Bog Center, we we know how much like work is going on, you know, in mm-hmm. the city all around. Um. So that's how it started. That's how the conversation started, and uh, yeah, by by two thousand by by uh, summer two thousand or late summer two two thousand sixteen, um, I was asked to uh, you know kind of be the managing editor, be the one who was kind of hands on and leading mm-hmm. this effort. And um, that's some strong negotiations because getting oh, you're like uh, De Niro in Casino because I already know your your first answer is no. Well, it was it, it was <laughs> just after your first answer. Well, you know when you're like, sitting in a room with like right. you know all these you know these folks that have been doing this work for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know we've got we mentioned Shea Howell and uh, you know uh, Kim Shirobi's on on the in the collective Gloria House in the collective. You know mm-hmm. a bunch of folks who are doing incredible work and have been doing incredible for a long time. So um, it was an honor just to be. Again, another place where I would have just mm-hmm. made coffee, you know, mm-hmm. if, if that's what was needed. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I accepted that, and we, we, we got it together, man. We, we called some folks. We called folks that we knew who were doing work in certain communities, and the first issue came out in February 2017, and now we're working. We just released our fifth issue. We're a little over a year in. We just celebrated our first anniversary. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, my homie Sterling DJ in the of party. Of course, man. That's a, he made it. He made it happen. Good old Sterling. He came through as he, oh, as, he, as somehow he always does. I'm I don't know how sure, he does I'm it. I'm pretty sure some Parliament made that, <laughs> made his way made his way to the needle. <laughs> you, are, you already know. You already know. So yeah, Sterling was there, some and uh, Jam was going. We had a nice we had a nice little little set actually. I should shout shout out to Craftwork because they. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened the doors to us on a Sunday, and it was it, they were the wonderful hosts, and um, yeah. So so we have a product now, and uh, and we're moving forward. All right. So what what has been the response to Riverwise been? What's the uh, what's the feel from the community? What uh, what callbacks? The res- <laughs> have you gotten? We've gotten a few. Uh, the response has been great. Um, there's so much to talk about as far as this project goes because a lot of this has been, you know, a labor of love, you know, the meaning there weren't necessarily, I mean, there was as much experience as there was in the room. There wasn't necessarily any specific magazine experience, right? So we had writers, we had artists, we had poets, we had mm-hmm. activists that were all in the room. But as far as putting together, you know, a magazine um, that was going to be, you know, a regular Straight thing. Up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was kind of new for a lot of folks or, or you know, uh, newer. So, um, that alone, you know, creates a situation where some interesting decisions are made, and you know, we're, I don't want to say we're winging it. You know, we've, we have focused conversations, and all of this is very, mm-hmm. very much deliberated the, the decisions we make. But it, when you have a group that can work together, and you're doing something new, you know, there's the, there's the potential for some new things to happen. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So you're not necessarily necessarily working on a specific, you know, rigid model. You're kind of like, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're coming up with ideas. You don't know if they're right or wrong, but they feel good, so you kind of go with it. Um, the first issue that we put out was kind of a. It was a way of introducing uh, this concept of uh, the new work that's going on right now in Detroit. 
you know, the solutionary work, these folks that are doing this work to create their own mm-hmm. solutions to some of these social injustices is a continuation. You know, we, we want to link that to the, the longer movement, uh, the movement that goes back, you know, decades and, and, of course, much further. But we started it, you know, it being the 50th anniversary when we came out of the 67 Rebellion, we kind of took that as, as, as a point of departure and tried to create an arc to, you know, what's happening in the city now um, as far as movement work, as far as, you know, work around black liberation, as far as, you know, um, um, social justice work. So that was kind of the jump off point for the magazine, you know, uh, 1967 to 2017 and then 2067, because really this magazine is about the future, right? This magazine is about people who are doing this work that hopefully, not hopefully, that is, that will uplift society and create a better future. 2067, that's the concept that... (laughs) Yeah. Boy, boy. It's coming. Boy, boy. Yeah, it is coming. Yeah. It is coming. So, so yeah, so, so... That's that was the beginning. Those were those are that was the foundation for the magazine. Let's let's look at some of this work that's going on in Detroit. Mm-hmm. That's happening in different areas mm-hmm. across the city. Let's let's try to kind of put it in one place and let's see how we can be a vehicle for organization. You know, let's see how we can uh, highlight this work that is happening again by communities that are marginalized. Because the question we have to deal with is we have to grapple with the idea that it's possible that the solutions we're looking for are happening, but they're not look they're not happening in City Hall. They're not happening they're certainly mm-hmm. not happening in the State House. They're certainly not happening in DC. But that doesn't mean that like solutions aren't being created every day. Yeah. We're just not maybe a lot of us, we are, you know, we're, we're kind of involved in the work, but a lot of folks just aren't looking in the right place. A lot of these solutions are happening in these communities that have been marginalized and out of, just out of survival. They're mm-hmm. creating they're creating like they're creating solutions that uh, that will uplift everybody, you know, if given the chance. Okay. Yeah. So it being a quarterly, mm-hmm. because a quarterly seems like one of those things where you're like, all right, in a quarter, we probably can manage our time, our resources, <laughs> get all this stuff straight. Yeah. Is it still like how the citizen was the day before deadline where it's like, oh, man. Because another... I remember that day before deadline with the citizen. It was it was high energy. It, I, that's a that's an amazing question. Um you would think that yes, that was the idea. Was let's start quarterly. We'll, we'll have room. To, you know, it's a thirty-two mm. page magazine. We'll have plenty of time to get this together. But you know, it's you still, look up and it's it like, still hey, ends up. It's, 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 it still ends up. We still end up scrambling. I don't mm. know. I don't know how they did it at the Michigan Citizen. How we did it at the Michigan Citizen. Oh, weekly. It, it's crazy. Yeah, it was um, phenomenal. We're working with. You know. We're getting it out. It's a very small crew. You know, me as the managing editor, I've got my I've got my hands, you know, on and on everything, which is you know probably to the detriment uh, on a certain level uh, until we get some folks and we can place them, you mm-hmm. know, in certain in certain places. Then they can be devoted to certain to certain uh, tasks uh, as hopefully the money gets a little little. Uh, the money allows. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want to say the money, just the resources. The the, the, the community as the community resources mm-hmm. allow. Um, cause I don't want, you know, it's not all about the money. It's about, you know, donations come in money wise, but th- we also need donations as far as submissions, articles. I mean, that's, we want this to be, well, cool. you know, we want this to be a, a magazine where I can, people I can definitely write submit in. you guys some stuff. I know you can. Different. And you, well, I'll tell you what you did. And I want to thank you for your piece that you, you put in about thank Clements. You. And I, that, that was a, where I live was a beautiful piece, man. It was amazing. I, I want to do a, uh, let's see. I've been thinking about some 
right now I've been in the in the music mode. Me and uh drummer Alex White, we finally decided on a band name, Gold Medallion. You okay, may, you may need to sit in with Gold Medallion. I like that. I like that. That's a that's a I great told name, him, man. I was like, yeah, I was like, that's memorable. He was like, I don't know about it. That's a like, great name, man. I was like, hey, man, it's like just imagine the taco meat and the. <laughs> he was like, one of us gonna have to get a perm. I was like, dude, that's a it great ain't name. Gonna be me. That's a tight. That's a tight name. Y'all starting as a two piece? I don't know what we gonna do. <laughs> but you got the name though. I know we have the name. You got the we name. have a, a, a tentative monthly at Tony V's and probably over at Queens hey, with my man. man Handsome Sam. Call me up, man. So I'll, we'll we'll, we'll uh, I want to come out and support <laughs> Gold Medallion. That's a so, tight name, dude. So that's kind of what I'm gonna do. But uh, that lends itself to all sorts of all sorts of <laughs> images and covers and and visuals already, man. You don't even need visuals. <laughs> yes, so we'll be doing that. But uh, creatively, I think we we should do some more stuff, man. I, I want to do the audio version of it. So yeah, yeah. the doors are open. Yeah. I know you guys. Uh, I, I ran the concept by you before, but um, podcasting with Riverwise, as you all may be able to bring the stories to life a little bit. I was just gonna say expand on it because because um, just definitely in a free flow. I mean, that's what this Detroit is different podcast studios for. Yep. As we, you know, as the magazine is evolving, the conversation is changing from. Already, I mean, it's only been a year, but already the conversation has kind of evolved from, okay, let's highlight this wonderful work that's going on, to we need people's voices to tell their own stories, yeah. right? So that's, that's out and of this that. This is a way easier forum. Absolutely. Um, depending, but e- even even both. You but know? you, you want to have that, you want to have yeah. as many resources as you can. If people want to write, they can write. If they want to talk draw a picture, like if they want to talk it out. Yeah. Let's give them all all, all the tools hey, they yeah, need to do that. Yeah, whatever whatever it may be. Yeah, I'm with it. I'm yeah. with it. Especially, um, you know, over there in that wheelhouse of uh, Riverwise, you have uh, one of my big big homies in Gloria House, mm-hmm. uh, Mama and Neb. Yes. Uh, when you told me she was editing Shout my story, I was like, damn, this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw her. She's so. Yeah. You know, she's so graceful and stuff. Yes, she's she is. like, yes, Brother Carter. Yes. Just had a couple different things. She, <laughs> she's fantastic. It's, 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 a, it's a wonderful editing crew over there, man. It's, it's, been, it's been a great experience. Um, but, yeah, we need, to, we need to, like, strengthen those relationships because that's where we're at now is, mm-hmm. like, okay, now as we move forward, as I mentioned earlier, you know, all yeah. these people are doing all these wonderful things. Now, how do we, like, start to, you know. Build that synergy and get, you it, know what I'm get saying? it all connected. Yes. Yeah, and it's it's a lot of cool things. I, I think live events, um, you know, let's talk. Uh, mm-hmm. It's, it's uh, a lot of heavy things happening, too, that yeah. come through you all. Because mm-hmm. being a voice for the community, um, you know, uh, the, the whole... Um, the traumatic experience where the young ladies in jail right now mm-hmm. and possibly may have a child while incarcerated. I'm glad you, we should definitely talk about Suwatu. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is something that's come to your door. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with that, it's, it, it's other things that come to my door. And, like, this is what happens having a stronger connection to the people, you know. So, yeah. you know, yeah. um, building different platforms that can – that can deliver these messages where you can build that support for. Mm-hmm. And making people realize that, you know, the, one of the things I hope, I hope we're doing is that helping people realize that their story is important. However you tell it, as you were saying, we can write it. We maybe it's, maybe it's a, a picture, maybe it's a poem, whatever it is. Maybe we talk it out on a podcast, but that story is very important right now that we tell it. Mm-hmm. 
in this environment that we call Detroit City, which is rapidly changing, and mm-hmm. all and a lot of this legacy, a lot of this history is being you know literally paved over. We need to like talk about these things, talk about how we resist it, talk about how we respond to it, but uh, but also just talk about what you know what it, what what it was, what stories you know what stories you have, what what means a lot to you. Okay. Um. So yeah. Submissions. So coming up next for Riverwise, what are some stories that we should be paying attention to? What What do you see next? What What's next creatively for you? Yeah. Well, Riverwise. Um. So we just released the fifth issue. Okay. Right here. That is a. I love that cover. Right here. <laughs> that I love that cover. And I, and I brought I brought another one too because you I, brought a couple. You brought a couple. And, uh, and it's it, like a stack that I'm gonna well, be giving away to Detroiters different guests coming up. <laughs> and we we'll, we'll be having some people up in here like. Um, yeah. Well, this this is gonna be a dropout. This is gonna be a distribution point. Please, hopefully. You please know what I mean? do. Yeah. Uh, I know David Humphreys from Hair Wars. You know we need and to get, his whole team will be coming. We need to make sure uh, Davidson and Linwood's got got their share of Riverwise yes. magazine. Yes. But I, I wanted to. I brought two up because i need to sh- i need to shout out, i need to uh give a shout to zoo Perret who's been designing our covers from the very beginning this is the first one that he didn't do the uh original illustration for mm-hmm. um we actually got permission from the uh church of uh uh saint john coltrane in california mm-hmm. give us permission to use this john coltrane icon which i'll talk about in a second but I wanted to bring up, you know, another one of his. You know, he's done like five covers for us, all amazing collage style. Yeah, all of them. Are really, it's like, yeah, it's like real art. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's know. he's a beast. Um, but Zoo's doing some fantastic things, so I had to bring up just some some of his work as well. But um, yeah, we've had. I mean, the presentation has been fantastic. It's 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 an interesting conversation because, you know, you want to have that dynamic piece, you know, that dynamic cover and that dynamic layout, so people pick it up. But we also want people to, you know. To pay attention to these, to the ideas, uh, and the conversations. I hope that we're, you know, we're presenting in the magazine as well. So, but but, but we've had some fantastic covers. But coming up next, uh, the next one will be out in June, or late May, maybe last week in May, okay. first week in June. Okay. Um, we've been talking about in this issue. There's we gave a lot of space to uh, transformative uh, art and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a piece I'll mention real quick. Um, we have a piece in here about the Emory Douglas Youth Family Youth Arts Program, uh, which which came out of the Feed and Freedom Program down on the uh, Lower East Side, and Emory Douglas, uh, who was a former Minister of Culture for the Black Panthers, is actually coming to town on the 18th. Actually, he's coming to town on the 14th, and he'll be in town. He's doing a couple events between the 15th and the 18th. Um, so we got a little piece on that in here, and hopefully we'll be doing an interview with him, and then for the next issue. Uh, and we hope we hope to have Zoo, who's been designing these covers, have a Q and A with Emery Douglas, which will be amazing. Mm-hmm. So we've been given some time and space to uh, art and culture, and then also, what well, you know, something that some folks are calling new work hmm. is something that needs to be mentioned that we uh, featured in this last magazine. Uh, one great example being um, Carlos Nielbach and his windmills that he's doing over in his workshop over near Shane and Gratiot at the Can Arts Handworks. Uh, workshop where he's designing these windmills out of found objects. He has these windmills that he makes from like old uh, satellite dishes. Um, you he's, are he's an old school, but he's an old. But here's the thing: he's an old school metal worker. Like he worked on the Fox and he worked on some other city buildings and some old churches. So he's like this, like he's like one of the most sought after metal workers. 
in the country, but he's 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 posted up on Shane and Grash, and he's been making these, and he's trying to like he's he wants this to be a community asset, a community uh, yeah. workshop, and he's so he's created these windmills out of old satellite dishes hmm. that are he says and others say are more efficient than you know the the uh, industrial windmills you see with the three blades. They spin all the time, and he's got them turning these generators and creating electricity and all these crazy projects. He's amazing. So that sounds very interesting. Yeah, man, it's just, it's some cool stuff. Okay, interesting. Yeah, all interesting. <laughs> it is all interesting, man. When you when you put it all together, you just you just see the the possibilities, man. You see the possibilities that are there from the work that's being done now. Let me um, let me as we close out. Yeah. we're getting into a little overtime, yeah, but. Yeah. Uh, I want to give um, if people want to connect with Riverwise and submit something or whatever. You Thank know, you. They got an idea. Who? What? How do they go about getting in contact with you or the yeah. team or whatever? So let me say again. Let me let me let me emphasize again that we, we're looking for submissions from folks on really any topic. You know, if you pick up the magazine, you'll kind of see where we're going. We're talking about a lot of uh, community work that's being done, community organizing mm-hmm. around. Uh, solutionary work that's resisting, you know, a lot of these social injustices that we're dealing with uh, in Detroit and across the nation and across the globe. Um, so we need submissions in the form of articles, poetry, uh, original artwork. Um, but the, the first thing I would do would be to reach out to us at RiverWiseDetroit at gmail.com mm-hmm. um, is the email. And then RiverWiseDetroit.org is the website. You can always check us out there as well. Um, and that's, that, w- that would be the best place to start as far as, you know, getting involved beyond um, just picking up the magazine. Um, we, need, we need money donations to keep this thing going, but, we, but like I said before, the submissions, written submissions, you know, is, is a great way to support the magazine as well. All right. Uh, along with that, along with that, mm-hmm. um, just the uh, general Detroit is different classic questions. Yeah. As we can close out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, your very first car, um, year, make, and model, and what year did you get it? <laughs> uh, the first car that I could I could call mine, although it was you know it was it was I was it was my parents, but I was you know I was using it more than they were. Was it eighty one VW hmm. Rabbit, the hatchback? Even, okay. You know I don't okay. know I don't even know. I mean you if see them occasionally. The I mean I mean. <laughs> They definitely don't make them, but I mean, I don't even know if you'd see, I haven't even seen a rabbit around in a while, but it was just mm-hmm. like a short little hatchback thing. Mm-hmm. And um, that would have been like, you know, I don't know, 87, 88. Okay. okay. You know. Where was the first place you went? In the car? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I, I'm, dude, I, you're talking to a, a about to be old fella, man. I don't even know. I have to make something up. I have no idea. You have no idea. I got to be honest. Okay. All right. Um, <laughs> you are a DJ at the end of the fireworks at mm-hmm. Woodward and Jefferson. Oh, wow. You get to play three songs. What songs are you playing? Um, three songs. Fireworks. Downtown. Detroit. Uh, I would play... Um, let me see. I'm trying to think back. You know, what I always think back to when I th- when I get asked a question like that is uh, electrifying mojo. Mm-hmm. You know, are you, are you down with uh, 
that whole thing, yeah. The good old Electra Flying Mojo. Yeah, and, that, and all that, all the way it was Man, just. Man, they had everybody in Detroit buying Prince records. That's what I'm saying. So I gotta, I gotta, I gotta go Prince. Um, what song? Be something off of uh, Purple Rain at the very end of the. Okay, of the, so that's that. You you're going that, backwards. So that Purple ends. Rain. Well, I, I didn't. <laughs> I'm trying to get the order. I'm trying to get the order. Um, let's see. People are gonna take out their lighters. I'm gonna and go nowadays. Their cell phone flashlights. <laughs> 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 that's when the re- that's when the, that's at the very end of the fireworks when the, when everything's already hit the water, mm-hmm. and everything's all done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Everyone's like, "Oh, we gotta go home now." Um, what else would I do? Do some. Uh, I want to do some. I want to shout. I was talking. Been talking about electronic music. I want to shout out to the to the one Atkins track was, but the, my favorite track. I can't remember the name of it though. I do. I do some. I do some electro stuff, some electronic stuff in the middle, and then I would maybe some funkadelic to just to get people moving. Okay, so uh, Juan Atkins. Um, I guess it could be Dendada, or it could be. Um, Hmm. Surprised you didn't say good life. That's what a lot of people. Nah, say. that wasn't one of my favorites. That's I wouldn't do guess. That's, that's too. what a lot of people would go with. That's that's I want something a little more. And then Parliament Funkadelic. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, One Nation would be just to, just to, just there so we go. just so everybody's uh, happy. I feel you. You know, I feel you. Young and old. I got you. And then the last question: You can rename Woodward after one person. Who would it be and why? Wow. I don't know, man. I mean, I uh, can it be someone who already has a street named after them? Yeah, it could be. Okay. I think uh, I will go either. I mean, I think that not to keep it too close to home, I think James Boggs has done so much in this city mm. and, you know, not just beyond Detroit where he, you know, he should get some recognition, even if it comes in the street name. I don't know what a street I name. You. I don't know how far a street name goes these days. Beyond, I don't like, know. You know. I mean, people, people <laughs> get stuff mailed to you. I, 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 don't, right. I, I don't know what uh, what the uh, residual income on a, on uh, a street name or or Malcolm X. I think, hmm. even though that's already you know it's already street here. But so Malcolm X. But, yeah. So maybe you split it in two. So maybe. Like, so from, <laughs> it'd be, from Jefferson it'd be Detroit to, Red and Highland Park from Jefferson like, right from <laughs> Jefferson to New Center split it up it'd be Malcolm X yeah, and then, uh, yeah. but there are many there's so there are many others folks who've done such great work you know in this city man this city's been mm-hmm. a movement city for a long time mm-hmm. and uh, yeah that's a tough one you know but we should definitely I mean that's a great question because there's a lot of lot of names on stuff that you know we would. We'd love to swap out, you know, and give some love to some folks that did did some real work. All right, this is a guilty pleasure question, um, and then this is it. This is it, because you've interviewed and talked to so many people. Who's your favorite interview been so far? You talking about me interviewing someone else? Yeah. Um, man, let me. I gotta think about that one too. I gotta break it up because there's the Riverwise, the Riverwise interviews, and because we, we've just started to do more Q and A's mm-hmm. as another way of, you know, getting some, getting yeah, folks, yeah. getting their words on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really want to take it back to the Michigan citizen. Um, man, 
I want to cite this one interview that we did when me and Zenobia were doing that uh, that radio slash uh, um, the radio internet TV, TV show. TV yeah, thirty three. But I can't think of the man's name. It was it was Ed uh, Ed Mick. He was the head of uh, a conglomeration of unions downtown. And the only reason I cited is because he and the talk about writing books. I mean, if we ever get to go back and do this mm-hmm. again, you know, we always think about like you know because at the time, you know, we. We rush through things so much, you know, all these important issues, mm. and, and I really want to get to the point at some point where, like, you can, like, you know, I really envy people that can take time with it, with a piece, mm-hmm. you know, and not have to rush through it. But um, he was telling us about how the union was. This was before the, uh, uh, right before the, uh, the bankruptcy Detroit, you know, situation. And he was explaining to us, this is, this is not exciting, but it's interesting to me because it, because it speaks to, you know, how the bankruptcy was just, you know, it was a total, you know, sham. But he was telling us about how the unions had negotiated this deal with the city and they were, they, they'd like found this money that the, that the, that the city needed to operate, mm-hmm. operating expenses, and they were going to take these cuts, you know, and uh, it was just such a revelatory moment as far as that. That's, mm-hmm. when, that's when we knew that, like, you know, the, the whole financial... Uh, the whole bankruptcy proceedings were, you know, a sham. And then we found out later, of course, mm-hmm. that, that they were. I, I um, remember, uh, I, this is how much y'all know somebody. Remember when you interviewed, you may not even remember. Remember you interviewed John Carlos? Oh, yeah. at the Actually, at the, at MLK High School. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was a dynamic uh, individual, man. That was, that was, yeah, that was a cool interview, too. Well, we had, it was, the, the environment was strange because it was at this mm-hmm. track meet. Mm-hmm. And um, you know he was in town to kind of to kind of kind of be there and uh, and I don't know if, uh, people. Uh, does everyone know who John Carlos is? From yeah, I yeah. guess okay. John Carlos and Tommy Smith uh, are the uh, two uh, gold and silver winning Olympic runners for the United States of America that mm-hmm. held up the Black Power Fist. That's right in Mexico uh, with gloves in Mexico City in yep. the 1968 Correct. Olympics. Yep. Uh, and uh, since then, as in this world of Colin Kaepernick being ostracized, mm-hmm. uh, they were definitely dealt with uh, a lot of uh, being ostracized and never truly being embraced as the Olympic champions that they were. Certainly affected the rest of their careers. Uh, but yeah, talking with him, I mean, you wouldn't you wouldn't know it. I mean, you, you he still had that uh, he still had that spirit of resistance and. Um, you know, never there was never a point at which he, he he indicated that he had any regrets, you know, at all, and that was it, that was inspiring. Yeah, mm. that was that was a good one. Yeah, John yep. Carlos. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. Hey, man, thanks for having me, man. Yes, sir. You're doing yes, great sir. work, and it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we'll yeah. We'll do it again. All right.